OCD can be pretty vile. I have what's called intrusive thought OCD, pretty much where your brain takes your biggest fears and it tries to make them a reality. If I'm driving down the road and I hear something rumble under my car, I think I might've ran someone off the road or I might've ran over a person. I have to turn my car around to make sure I haven't hurt anybody. It's, it's very intense stuff that sounds completely irrational, but that's what happens when your frontal lobe is kind of misfiring to the rest of your brain. Alex Williams here to welcome you back to Broken Bulbs, the show for entrepreneurs, creators, and builders who need to keep it real. Today, I'm joined once again by the incredible Peyton Garland. She previously featured on episode 191 of Broken Bulbs, so make sure you check that out as well. Peyton Garland is a writer, wannabe rapper, and coffee shop hopper who just loves connecting with people. Her debut book, Not So By Myself, was promoted by former White House Press Secretary Dana Perino and endorsed by TED Talk speaker and creator of the More Love Letters movement, Hannah Brencher. But despite all this success, thanks to her OCD, she also found herself unable to perform her job. That's coming up after the break. Real quick before we get into today's show, I wanted to say thank you for all the ways you offer support, whether that's leaving review, sharing the show with a friend or family member, or going and supporting me directly on Patreon. That's a huge help. It takes a lot of money, time, and energy to make this show happen. So you can go to patreon.com slash alexwilliams. Remember, Williams is W-I-L-L-I-A-M-N-S. That's patreon.com slash alexwilliams. Or just click the first link in the show notes and it'll take you right there. Enjoy the show. Peyton Garland, ready to talk about one of your broken bulbs? I am. Perfect. So let's talk about your OCD being so isolating that you actually found yourself unable to perform your job. This can actually happen to a lot of people. And I think things like this are a lot more common than we think, but we don't tend to talk about it. So get into it. Tell us what happened here. Sure. So I have had OCD as far as, I guess, tracing it back probably four or five years old. They're pretty sure it's genetic but I didn't know it for a long, long time. And so right after college, I'd gotten a degree in English and was actually doing some health and nutrition writing. So that was the bubble I was in. And I ended up becoming a personal trainer in the process. So I was a nutritionist, a personal trainer. I was all about physical fitness. I was running marathons. Like that was just my world. And that's where I found, again, a lot of my worth came from my performance and how well I was doing at my job. But OCD can be pretty vile. I have what's called intrusive thought OCD. And that's where, oh my goodness, it's, <laughs> it's pretty much where your brain takes your biggest fears and it tries to make them a reality and it pushes them at the forefront of your brain. So for me, if I'm driving down the road and I hear something rumble under my car, I think I might've ran someone off the road or I might've ran over a person. I have to turn my car around to make sure I haven't hurt anybody. It's, it's very intense stuff that sounds completely irrational, but that's what happens when your frontal lobe is kind of misfiring to the rest of your brain. And so I was dealing with a lot of these thoughts, like a lot of fears. A lot of them were very intense fears. I wasn't telling anybody that I was having these thoughts because you sound like a crazy person. And I don't want my husband thinking I'm crazy. I don't want my mom thinking I'm crazy. And I don't want anyone at work thinking I'm crazy, especially when in my line of work, I'm pushing health. I'm about taking care of your body, taking care of your brain. I'm not going to mention that I have any sort of problems. 
But I started losing a lot of weight. I couldn't put on weight because my brain was just so loud with things that I was not handling. I was getting really jittery. My body was getting dehydrated easily. And I was just not myself. I would show up to work and I would be there to work with someone one-on-one and help them be their best selves as far as being in physical shape and taking care of themselves mentally. But Peyton Garland was not present. My my spirit, my sense of humor, nothing was there. And so what happened is probably after about a month or two of me just going through the motions, halfway being there, um, I got let go. So my boss reached out and was like, hey, look, you're you're not you. You're not putting forth enough effort. This isn't this isn't what this boutique gym is about. So I'm sorry. Like you're just, you're not welcome back. And that devastated me. Like that was, that was bad because I grew up as a good girl who did all the things right, checked all the boxes, aced all the tests and good girls don't lose their jobs, particularly when it's their fault, essentially something they were not doing well or performing at maximum levels. And I had to step back and say, okay, it is now so bad in my brain that that I've lost my job. I've lost my ability to provide for myself. So we have to do something that this is not okay. And so I stepped away from the workforce for probably a good two months and really took some time to dig deep into my own brain and to open up a little bit. Like I actually started talking to my parents and my husband about what was going on. And that eventually led me to seek therapy. I ended up getting clinical help. I am a huge proponent of medication. I am on Zoloft. I take Zoloft every day to boost my serotonin. And now I have a job that I can perform at maximum levels. I enjoy showing up. I enjoy engaging because I went to therapy and I now understand, oh, you have intrusive thought OCD. Like these thoughts rattling around in your brain they're not really real. So let's work on some mechanics and some ways that we can respond to those thoughts so you can show up as yourself and your best self day in and day out. And so now, even though that was, man, maybe two or three years ago, I still do therapy. I still do neurofeedback studies on my brain. I still let them stick probes all over me and tell me what's going on in my frontal cortex. I still take medicine. If a medicine seems to not work, I am totally okay with saying, hey, we've got to figure something else out because I've learned that if I can help take care of my brain, that's what feeds my heart. My brain tells me what's going on in my heart. And if I can give myself something positive and encouraging and tell myself, hey, we're going to show up despite OCD, that gives me, gosh, that gives me a confidence that I can work with even after you know, losing a job because I literally can't perform my own tasks. Yeah, I love hearing about the the way that you grew after this bit of a wake up call for you. And so maybe lo- looking for some advice for the audience, what would you recommend people do to kind of catch those things before they happen and to to make sure that they're kind of reaching their peak and living their best life before they end up losing their job or having some other, um, I, I guess, um, intrusion by by their mental health struggles. Yeah. I, I tell people, don't ignore the first thought or the first feeling. So for me, when the, the, the thoughts first came or I first started feeling the weight of them, I was just like, oh, this is, this is not me, but we're not really going to say anything because it's not me. Don't ignore them. Like that is your body 
And that's your brain telling you that something's not okay. And if I had really given myself the grace to step back the first time I had these thoughts or OCD started just raging inside me, it probably would have prevented the job loss. Now, granted, I think all things work out for for good and I'm thankful for where I'm at now. But if I had gotten help two or three months before, rather than just letting it bottle up, not only would I have kept my job, but I would have probably kept some pieces of myself that I'd ended up losing along the way. Yeah, I like that. And another thing I want to touch on in in this little conversation here is about the the community aspect, you know, talking to somebody. And so maybe as kind of a two-parter question, how how can I or the listener or you put forth that effort to go and talk to somebody and kind of get up the courage to go and talk to somebody? And how can we, when somebody else comes to us, how can we be that place where people can feel comfortable uh, talking about these things with us? Yeah, that's hard. So so for me, I am a Christian. And unfortunately, in the faith background, a lot of times people say it's a lack of faith. Like if, if you can't get a grip on your brain, it's because you're not praying enough or you're not communing with God enough. So I totally understand that. I know a lot of people don't understand the reality of mental health. So even with family members and close friends, there can be a lot of shame and a lot of fear. And what I tell people is you don't really owe other people an explanation you know what's in your head, you know how it's impacting your spirit and your mind, and you've got to take care of you. Because the reality is if family and friends love you, then they're going to love you enough that they want you to go and take care of yourself. They want to make sure you're still you at the end of the day. And if that means going to therapy, if that means taking medication, then it is what it is. And so for me, I was private about it for a while. I didn't talk to too many people about it because it was more about me getting a grip on myself. And so that's what I tell plenty of people is go at your own pace, tell who you trust, but, but don't feel like you have to get approval from somebody else to go and take care of your brain. And for, for people on the flip side, when others are coming to them, I, I know there's two or three women in my life that I've kind of been encouraging along that path of therapy. It still has a stigma, unfortunately. And so you got to be gentle with it. Like you can't say, hey, look, you're acting crazy. Like you probably need to go see a shrink. Like be careful with your terminology and always, always offer encouragement. And what I mean by that, since it kind of sounds cliche, is always tell the person what they're doing right. Because when you're in a mental health battle and your brain's already crazy, you don't feel like you're doing anything right. So if they come to you, say, hey, look, this is the first step. Like this is awesome. You're opening up. This is where healing starts. I'm proud of you. I am here for you. Offer the encouragement and then slowly say, hey, if you want to talk to somebody, I can go with you. If you want to talk to your doctor, I'll sit by you while you're on the phone with him. I know my husband actually was invited into a session with me and my counselor so he could understand what was going on in my brain so he could better help me day in and day out. So when people do come to you, be willing to sit with them through the journey and offer some encouragement. And of course, at the end of every episode, I like to hear what's working for you now. Of course, you're writing a book now, or you have written a book, sorry, and it's published and it's out. Uh, Tell us where we can go to find it and where we can go to find the rest of your work. Yeah, so my book is Not So By Myself. I write a lot about my mental health journey in that book. You can find it on Amazon 
or my website, PeytonGarland.me. That's going to be a big place to go. And what's working for me, I am totally team Zoloft and team EMDR therapy. That's what I'm enjoying these days. And I'm seeing some great results. Fantastic. Well, I'm going to have links to everything you mentioned down in the show notes so people can go and gain some more insight from you and your experiences. And with that, I just got to say thank you very much for joining me. Absolutely. And thank you for listening. Healing is communal. Talk to someone and take small steps with the people you trust. And if you're someone someone else trusts, be patient and understanding and listen. Special thank you to Peyton for joining me once again and being willing to talk about her broken bulbs. Make sure you check out her work, which I have linked down in the show notes. And if you liked hearing Peyton on this episode, I'm sure you'll enjoy hearing her on episode 191 of Broken Bulbs as well. And if you want to offer support beyond leaving a review and sharing the show, please visit Patreon via the first link in the show note. As a thank you for your support, you'll get a postcard from me wherever I am to wherever you are. Broken Bulbs is produced by Mecco Radio, and we are, of course, a proud member of the Create Vine. I, Alex Williams, was your host. The podcast artwork is by Bethany Gustafson, and the music we use is by Brian Claxton and Wesley Thomas. Oh, and thanks again for listening. Mecco.